0: you know, if you look at the Nordics, it is expected that everybody can collect their kids from school or from kindergarten, and therefore the workday is compressed, and therefore, you, you know, you have to be productive. Everything, in a way, revolves around that productivity.
1: Hello, and welcome to Working It from the Financial Times. I'm Isabel Berwick. Britain has a well-established productivity problem, and that's a real issue. Productivity, often measured in terms of output per hour worked, boosts economic growth and it raises standards of living. So the more productive we are, the better off we'll be. Why does the UK perform worse than most of its peers? Are there cultural factors that mean we get left in the dust? Andrew Hill, the FT's senior business writer, has written extensively about the UK's productivity puzzle. One of the problems he's covered is that many corporate leaders are reluctant to accept outside help. With that in mind, we're casting our net wide and getting some far-flung perspectives on what the UK gets wrong and how it could improve. Richard Milne, whose voice you heard at the top of the show, covers productivity powerhouses like Norway, Sweden and Denmark for the FT. I'm going to speak to him about what makes them work so well. I'm also going to speak to Leo Lewis, an FT editor based in Tokyo, to find out why Japan is even less productive than the UK. Let's start with Andrew Hill. I began by asking him just how bad the situation is.
2: Well, yes, it's well known that uh, UK productivity lags that of our peers in the European space and also more widely. But I I must admit, before I started looking into this as a non-economist, I hadn't realized exactly how poor it was. I mean, certainly we were ahead of our peers for many years. And the lag has just got worse since the financial crisis, essentially. If you picture a chart with an upward line of improving productivity, when the financial crisis hit, the angle of the UK's upward line dropped quite sharply. It's still rising, but not as fast as many of the other countries against which we compare ourselves. Famously, the French can work four days and achieve as much in those four days as the British do in five.
1: And they have lovely lunches while we have to sit al with our salads. Exactly. I suppose one of the problems is productivity is such a massive topic when you've talked to companies how are they measuring it internally or is it something that they think about particularly
2: well what's interesting is when you talk to individual entrepreneurs they don't really talk about the p word and one of the issues is that the narrative of productivity is not properly told within Companies, because each function might have a different way of thinking about productivity. If you're in HR, you might be thinking it's to do with who's where doing uh, hybrid work and what's the kind of way in which we're producing outcomes there. If you're in marketing, you're thinking about productivity in a different way. If you're in finance, inevitably you're thinking about it as a cost efficiency. There's some research evidence I looked at that suggests that even just asking the question about how do we become more productive starts to make you more efficient because you start to organise the challenge in your own mind. So there is an issue here that a lot of businesses don't think of it in those terms.
1: I think you wrote that some businesses are reluctant to accept outside help or look for it. Is that something particularly British or is that just a sort of human nature thing?
2: The new research that that I looked at for that article was based on a sort of review of the G7, and it demonstrated that the UK was very confident, but not particularly capable at introducing some of these areas. And one of the areas in which the UK lagged almost everybody except Japan, these are smaller businesses, was in taking on advice uh, from outside sources. And the Further consequences of that is that businesses that don't take this outside advice then don't know sufficiently well how their business is going to perform in future. So they underperform in predicting their own future performance, and even in predicting what GDP is going to be doing in the UK in future, according to some research.
1: So, Andrew, one stereotype about the Brits is that we're quite an unexpressive people. You know, do you think firms are bad at communicating relative to counterparts in other countries? Is that part of the problem, the British
2: Reserve? Do you think there's there's an aloofness about communicating what the issues are? I'm not sure you could go that far, but I think there's clearly a, a risk that if you don't communicate what you want, and you don't have an open line of feedback, probably a two-way feedback, things get misunderstood. Uh, A lot of what improves productivity is better training, and a lot of training is about communicating things that you want done in future.
1: There are structural reasons for the UK's poor productivity, like chronic underinvestment. But like Andrew, I'm more interested in the human issues here. We Brits don't tend to talk about productivity in a very clear way. In some cases, we don't even really know what it means, nor are we likely to seek help from experts and outside sources. I think I'm starting to get a handle on the Great British Productivity Mystery. So what can we learn from other countries? I asked Richard in Oslo and Leo in Tokyo for their thoughts. I started by asking Leo if the image some of us have of Japanese working culture as being long hours and strict hierarchies is actually fair.
3: I think that perception has got a lot of truth to it. You know, the concept of death by overwork is a legal Japanese concept, and it's there for a reason, which is that because corporate Japan wasn't terribly good at sort of measuring. Work. It all just came down to how long you would work for, and so in order to sort of demonstrate that people were were working hard, they just worked long, and um, the companies kind of uh, rolled with it, and and it did form the culture. The one thing I would say now is that I think we're starting to see real real change as people who weren't working in that period of, of very high growth, you know, are coming through as as the as the senior managers of, of corporate Japan and realizing that. The way that the previous generations did it wasn't necessarily the most productive or, or even the most uh, healthy.
1: Richard, the Nordics are famously productive. What's their secret?
3: Yeah, well, uh,
0: just what Leo was saying about death at work. I don't think there's any danger of that in the Nordics. Really, it's uh, <laughs> you know expected that everybody can collect their kids from school or from kindergarten, and therefore the workday is compressed, and therefore you you know you have to be productive. Everything in a way, revolves
1: around that productivity. That's really interesting. Leo, Japan has a reputation as a very high-tech place and it would make sense that a really high-tech economy would be productive. So why isn't that the case in Japan?
3: Funny enough, Japan was very slow to introduce the internet and then subsequent to that sort of digitization into the workplace. And so a lot of it really was to do with this this sort of quite fuddy-duddy segment of of corporate Japan that just didn't jump onto the internet as quickly as those equivalent generations did in in other countries and paid the price for it, you know.
1: So there's an issue with efficiency, maybe. But I would think there's also a lot of obligatory time spent at your desk or with colleagues, even if you're not working. Is that right, Leo?
3: The idea of kind of post-work drinking and post-work eating was sort of, again, very embedded for a very, very long time. And, and it, it just sort of stretches the day and it stretches time. And in the end, it wasn't until, funny enough, the global financial crisis when entertainment budgets got slashed and those post-work drinks with the boss just sort of stopped. And it started to have a, an impact on the, the length of people's days. At the very least, people are going home earlier. The government installed a plan. It's called Premium Friday. Once a month, everyone would knock off early and go out drinking or do whatever they want. But the point was the day ended early. And the first month, it was sort of a success. A second month, everyone forgot about it. And by the third, it was completely back to normal. The whole whole plan was was abandoned. So it literally got three months of, (laughs) of this brilliant idea. And then it's all back to normal. So yeah, if you say Premium Friday now, It's basically the punchline of a joke in Japan. Well,
0: Premium premium Friday sounds like every Friday uh, here, to be honest. I mean, (laughs) plenty of people now go on a Thursday afternoon to their hitter, their their cabin in the mountain or by the sea and work, you know, four-day week. So uh, not called Premium Friday, but could be.
1: Where's your cabin, Richard?
0: Uh, we don't have one no my cabin is is here in my house so
3: uh does the ft not have a, a cabin no <laughs>
0: sadly a previous 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 nordic bureau chief who had his own island in the stockholm <laughs> archipelago <laughs> now we're talking um, uh, now we're talking. sadly productivity has increased so much that um i'm just in a city center flat
3: there was a lovely story doing the rounds i suppose about three, four months into the pandemic, sort of demonstrating this kind of generational difference in the approach to work. And Corporate Japan had, had heavily resisted letting people work from home because there's they, a great thing about sort of presenteeism. and So everyone had come in and, and taken their laptops back to their homes. The idea was that there was this senior middle management guy who had left the, the charging cord in the office and his absence from meetings hadn't been noticed for months. And this kind of story, whether apocryphal or not, it didn't matter because so many young people in Japan instantly thought, well, that could happen at my company. There's definitely a guy who's sort of middle management, doesn't know how to use a computer, isn't engaged, and he could easily have left his cord in the office and nobody would care or notice his absence. And and it's just this sort of idea that productivity is dragged down by that kind of person, whereas, you know, everyone's sort of, in their sort of 20s and 30s working incredibly hard, but then there's this sort of lazy generation dragging the average down.
1: I love that actual visualisation of the productivity (laughs) (laughs) lag. Right. And I wanted to talk to you both, um, something Andrew Hill talked about is that British managers are particularly reluctant to ask for outside help uh, in improving their businesses. Is that the same where you both are? What about in Japan, Leo?
3: Yeah, certainly still a rarity. There isn't actually very much in the way of a, a lot of labour market liquidity, so you've not got a huge volume of of mid-career hires. So you haven't even got what you've got in the UK, which is you know expertise coming in because there is liquidity between companies, and therefore sort of experience coming in that way. You know, Japanese companies are, are quite insular in, in their hiring, and, and you know they hire graduates, and they, they let those graduates sort of work their way up through through the company, and so. It's still a real gap, uh, I think, in, in terms of asking for outside assistance. I don't think that has evolved yet as a, as a serious factor.
1: Is there a sort of culture of consultants and constant reflection and improvement in, in Nordic business?
3: I think
0: certainly more than it might be in, in, in other countries. There's a recognition productivity is at the heart of things. And for sure, you've got consultants and business people, MBAs able to help you out.
1: So productivity is conceptualised and it's at the heart of business, whereas I think here in the UK, a lot of companies really don't think about productivity. Leo, do people talk about productivity in Japan? White-collar productivity, it really is just one of those
3: things that gets talked about in the negative. So people just go, well, look Look how badly we're doing at this. But then it doesn't sort of become a series of changes or, or, or obligations to, to do anything about it. It's just a kind of hand-wringing. And, and I think there's just a, a real disjoint there that people find it very difficult to, to span that gap.
1: No, I see that. And I wanted to ask you both, what stands out in terms of the countries where you both live and have lived for a long time compared to how we do things in the UK?
0: There is the Nordic sense of consensus. You know, there's a much less sort of leader-led culture here. It's, the boss can't just say something and the whole organisation jumps to it. Everybody needs to be on board. But at the same time, once that's the case, everybody pulls
3: in the same direction.
1: And in Japan, Leo? Japan essentially didn't
3: raise wages in a significant way in any part of the economy uh, for the better part of 20 years. And so I think once that idea bedded in that, look, it doesn't really matter what you do, you're not going to get paid more. You do get this kind of slight shoulder slump of there presumably are ways we could raise productivity. But given that nothing seems to make any difference to our, our wages across the board, you know, what's the point?
1: That's a very good point. And finally, I just wanted to talk about communication because it's a huge part of productivity because you need to be able to speak clearly about what needs to be done. Is that something the Nordics do well, Richard?
0: Yes, I think so. I mean, tend to be flatter organisations, less hierarchical than in many countries. And as I said, everybody needs to kind of have their say, even if they end up supporting The decision. So I think for foreign managers often, it can be quite a tiring process. They're much more used to their word goes. Um, But at the end of the day, I think you get something different when everybody is engaged as well.
1: Is this generational thing coming to pass with communication as well in Japan? Is it improving?
3: Well, I suppose, you know, Richard talking about flatter organisations, the classic Japanese setup is, is still very much the opposite of that. It is quite hierarchical. And again. It was fascinating to see what, what happened in that in that period during the pandemic, when you had multiple faces across the screen of these meetings, often with kind of quite senior managers who wouldn't normally have attended a physical meeting. It, it, it sort of flattened everything uh, in a way that a lot of Japanese companies weren't used to. You know, a much more senior person would talk to a junior person across the screen in Zoom. And it was like, oh, hang on a minute. We can genuinely communicate very well between that level and, and that level without having to go through that, that middle level. And there was some kind of little glimpses that we got when, when things turned abnormal, little glimpses of clear ways through some of these hierarchies that still hold sway at, at Japanese companies. And so th- those hierarchies are still in place, but there was this fascinating glimpse of, of a world where they might not do so. And I think enough people saw that to realise that actually there is an alternative around the corner, you know.
1: I can't wait to see how that plays out. Richard and Leo, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it.
3: Thanks a lot. Absolute pleasure.
1: Productivity is such a puzzle. There are loads of different moving parts, but some things have come out really clearly from the discussions in this episode. Using tech efficiently, and that's only going to get better investment in businesses but also high wages and respect for workers as people i think we all work better when we feel that we're working for something you know for a purpose and just being at your desk for long hours in a strict hierarchy i mean that's not gonna make you work harder or better so maybe we should take a leaf out of the nordics book work shorter hours but make them smarter and just give ourselves a bit more room in our lives for actual living thanks to Andrew Hill Leo Lewis and Richard Milne for this episode if you're an FT subscriber please sign up for the Working It newsletter we've got the best workplace and management stories from across the FT plus the office therapy advice column sign up at ft.com forward slash newsletters I've put a link in the show notes This episode of Working It was produced by Misha Frankel-Duval and mixed by Simon Panay. Manuela Saragossa is the executive producer and Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Thanks for listening.